0: Welcome to The Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Long.
1: All right, as promised, we have an outstanding episode today. Wayne Atwell, the owner-founder, main cohort, or main kahuna, big kahuna, I guess I'd say, at Fast TT Bike. And Wayne, thanks so much, man. You've been an epic supporter of triathlon. You've, I, I reached out to you and asked, how can I get on your product? You've been more than kind and taking care of our team. So first and foremost, thank you for being such an advocate for for what we're doing and also for being on the episode. So thanks so much, buddy.
2: Thanks, Nick. Good to be on the episode. I have to say it's been fun working with you and uh, getting Jackson and Mark on board and look forward to having an exciting year this year, man.
1: Yeah, we're going to have some RTS athletes, uh, right now, myself, Jackson, Mark, um, have kind of thrown our hat in the ring and say, we want to be on these bars. I've been on them for, I think, two races now Indian Wells and uh, Challenge Salinas at the end of last year, 2023. And it was the most comfortable and the most adjustable I've been on a front end. Um, We came from working with 51 Speed Shop, which was a great product, just didn't have the the actual unique characteristics of conformity to the arm and a little bit more arrow gains. But before I get into anything else, Wayne, um, I would love to know about you. you know give me give me a bit of a, a biography of the last few years and maybe as yeah. to why you're so passionate about this specific project and you know what credi- what credible things have you done to make sure that you're the
2: expert. You, you have to go back to my um, original training I studied as an industrial designer. Um, so that's kind of my original training, but I got involved in marketing and and my career took a path down brand marketing. So I became a brand, I had a, for about 15 years a brand strategy and design agency. And my skill was search engine optimization. Oh. So that's kind of where I was working, but at the same time, I'm kind of a, an avid time trialist and, uh, I got to the stage as I got older that I needed a bit more than disc wheels and a good skin suit. So I started to look at the cockpit. Um, And about three years ago, I sort of reached out to the market. I looked at what was available and I didn't really like what I saw. So I thought, how hard could it be to design and build an an aero bar? Um, And that was the start of it sitting around the dining room table with pieces of cardboard and sketching. And I still have the cardboard (laughs) mock-up. And so we built a TT bar um primarily for me to use to go faster Um, and i noticed quite a few of the guys buying them were triathletes so i listed on the website as a tri-bar and a tt bar separately and all the sales were tri-bars so i reached out to a few of the the customers and i realized we actually needed a proper tt a proper tri-bar so um i started to rapidly learn about triathlon i used to be a um ultra distance runner had some knee injuries started cycling um, can't swim to save my life. So I'll never be a triathlete. (laughs) But anyway, so that's kind of how we morphed into the triathlon bar. And um, to be honest, we've kind of really focused entirely on triathlon. The TT side is just, um, it's very small. It's very restrictive in terms of design through the UCI. So triathlon is where we can be a little bit more adventurous um, and deliver better, I think, better product for the athlete. So, so currently, so the way it works, I basically do all the conceptual design work, all the aerodynamic theory stuff. And I have a design, um, in, industrial design engineer who does CAD work for me. Um, so, and he's, a, he's uh, an industrial designer who majored in aerodynamics. So he has a very good feel on the aerodynamic side. Plus we've partnered with SpeedEdge in Portugal. Um, and Bernardo and his crew are basically academics that race bikes and their master's uh, thesis is on aerodynamics. So we've got a very strong handle on aerodynamics. My personal sort of hobby horse is uh, ergonomics. And so for me, the ergonomic side has been particularly, I think, valid in the tri-space where, you know, you're spending five to seven hours on a bike um, and comfort is probably more important just than just aero. It's got to be aero. It's got to be fast. But... Uh, like at the tri bars a lot of them are very fast but extraordinarily uncomfortable to ride and after 30 40 minutes you you know you, you've got to get off the bike
1: yeah and, so, and so well, really let me let me jump in with a question real fast because i didn't really understand the the vast differences between you know when you're saying tt versus triathlon and i'm guessing the restrictions for uci rules really limit what you can put on the front of a, of a cockpit for a uci legal bike can you can you touch on some of the points that are really different
2: yeah i mean the uci's primary concern is safety and control so you have not only a very strict this year they brought in well sorry 2023 they brought in a new set of rules in around aero because of the sort of proliferation of carbon systems um, and some very uh, tight controls about how big the elbow pad can be, how deep the flares are, how wide the, the body can be, et cetera, et cetera. They also have rider length constraints. So you can't get the, the front of the saddle closer than 50 mil to the bottom bracket. And you've got a whole lot of, not just bar constraints, but rider setup constraints. So it's it really you, like our TT bar is a, it's a compromise in order to make it fit in the rules. Okay. For tri, we and I think this divergence is, is increasing. Initially, tr- TT is where all the, the sort of bars started, and triathlon picked up on it. And you're using TT bars, but actually, as we've started to develop and we have, you know, future developments, the bars are very tri specific. They you cannot use our current bar and the future bar we're building. You cannot use it in time trial. It's just not legal um, because it just breaks the rules but it's a much better bar it's faster it's more comfortable so there's a very strong divergence to triathlon specific and that's kind of where we've gone from a brand point of view
1: okay great and thank you for that i would definitely needed to hear that kind of differentiation now you've never built this product before you know this was something you just kind of decided this is an industry need Um, was it, what really motivated you to kind of figure out how do I work with carbon in a way that is, you know, ergonomic? How can I, you know, how did you figure out how to purchase machine these things? And like, that had to be one of the hardest things.
2: The first thing I did was I looked at the shape of my arm. I looked at how I sit on the bike. And I think the difference between probably me and a lot of other brands is I primarily come from this from a rider's perspective. And my objective for me personally was, I want to go faster with less effort and I want to feel comfortable. And so it's really been a, a athlete-driven design versus a commercial thing at all. I mean, when I started this, I had no intention to make a business. I thought if I could make a bar for me and I could cover the cost of tooling by selling a couple of bars, I'll be as happy as anything. Yeah. Um, and through the process of doing a good product, it's turned into a you know pretty substantial business now. Um, A lot of the designers, I think, like I look at my industrial design guy that works with me. He's very clever and he can design beautifully, but he's got no idea about aerodynamics or how a bike fits together. And when I pull cockpits apart on some of these bikes, I just look at the engineer. I think like it's fairly obvious that an engineer did it and not a rider. So, I mean, like I'm a time trialist, but I understand the TT position understand how hard it is to ride. I'm an ex-runner. I know what it's like to run a marathon. i will never run one after a 180K ride, but I can imagine how bad it is. Um, and so, and I think that's been the secret. It's not been a commercial driven thing at all. It's been an athlete. And I think the feedback from guys like you and the pros and, and you know, I get a 55 year old age grouper who weighs 90 kilograms saying he's changed his bike from being a thing of paint to something that's enjoyable to ride. Yeah, you can't put a monetary value to that as a designer. It's like that's the ultimate.
1: Um, real quick, Garrick, you're able to join us now. Thanks for coming on. Um, you'll jump on with some questions. I know that this is a big interest level and point for you since you've been wanting to hit the the wind tunnel too. But before that, Wayne, the difference between a custom, completely 3D image bar that you can buy in the market right now for upwards of four or five thousand dollars versus adjustable comfort level bar that you've created how do you compare the two you know how has the experience been as riders have evolved and and gotten on your product
2: so there's really three systems in the market the one is the sort of bottom end which is poles and cups and there's quite a few variations from the simple cup and a piece of aluminium that's bent through to like the new profile design the aero coach where it's a kind of and the zivuka where it's kind of a molded carbon extension but in the end it's still a cup and pole. Uh then you go to my system which is a single full length arm with lots of adjustability and then you also go to the ones like this um what shop i think maybe no no speedco like the ones that are completely molded to your arm oh. it's fixed in one position um and so there's three different philosophies going from super adjustable to zero adjustable When I started, the reason I built my own bar was I didn't like even a aerodynamically molded carbon two-piece system. It just didn't work, just not aero to the degree I wanted. And it just didn't look as smooth. So for me, it was, it had to be a one piece arm and it had to be smooth. It had to kind of have good airflow, but you had to have maximum adjustability. So we had to have forward rearward adjustment. You needed height angle adjustment and you also needed inward-outward adjustments. So we developed, originally our bars had a blank uh, plate. So if you look at the bottom of a bar, it's got a whole set of holes. The early bars were blank and you would drill it to suit your bike. <laughs> and we get a mechanic saying, "Look, I got a thousand dollar carbon bar here and you want me to drill a hole in it? No. <laughs> yeah. so, so we designed a, a, a mounting system that allow you to bolt the bar on in a range of positions. These little slots here allow the bar to to twist, Um, so just with using some bolts, you can kind of adjust it completely. We have an adjustable riser, which goes from 10 to 25 degrees. Um, So you've got the benefit of a, a perfectly ergonomic arm piece with almost infinite adjustment. So like from a speed point of view, our testing in Portugal showed our bar over poles and cups to be between 11 and 16 watts faster. And that was between 45 and 50 Ks an hour. So look, you know, a lot of, not a lot of people are riding at 50 Ks an hour, but in the time trial world, a lot of people are. So you could say nominally 10 Watts and the feedback we get regularly um, is like, for instance, Aaron Borrell at Road CC, he tested, he did 225 K personal bests at lower Watts than what he did previously. So you know, you've got to be saying it's more efficient. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, I think, a pretty simple upgrade. When you get to the custom one-piece bars, um, I think the only ones that really work well are the ones where the big brands are taking it into the wind tunnel and they're testing lots and lots and lots of different models. And they've got their sponsored athletes in the wind tunnel for a day or two. And they're spending, you know, like inordinate amounts of money to get a perfectly optimized bar. And that will be the ultimate. But I think you're talking, you know, 20, 30 grand by the time you're finished. Um, The 3D printed ones, well, I saw one a while ago from last year's Kona, 3D printed with a stainless steel rod down the middle. Now, that thing must have weighed, I don't know, a kilogram or something, more than a kilogram. So there seems to be, sure, 3D printing allows you a lot of design flexibility, but it's extremely heavy because it's not very strong. You need a lot of plastic. One of the problems we see with so if you go away from the sort of Hogs and those people that are, and and Charles Barkley is sitting in a wind tunnel with Cube, for instance. If you go to Joe Pro or Joe Top End Age Group and he's bought a custom set, they're taking him on a static thing. They're basically doing a perfect mold of an arm in a static position. They're making a bar that's set in one orientation, one angle, etc. So we have one of our, top New Zealand athletes throwing away a $5,000 titanium setup, And And he's moving to our bars primarily because he wants some adjustment. You know, athletes, physio- physiology changes. They might have a shoulder injury. They may want to, I mean, I fiddle all the time on my bike. I'm, I'm changing two, three times a season. I'm making little changes, little tweaks. Um, and, and what we discovered, Nick, during our product development is you would start off, you'd build a bar that you, print printer model, you would put on the table and feel fantastic. So you'd go and you'd make a sort of more robust one. You'd put it on the bike, you get on the indoor trainer and you start to put a bit more stress through the body and through the pedals. And you discover that uh, you need a bit of a tweak on it. So you make the tweak, then you go and you make your first carbon prototype. You put it on the bike and you go out on the road and it's like, phew, it needs a lot of change because now you've got wind, bumps, steering, you up a hill you're grabbing differently so our experience was that the bar we started off with which sitting on a table in a workshop with a prototype felt fabulous was significantly different to what we finished with and then even when we finished we still had to make adjustments in terms of width and length and stuff like that so i'll give you a good example um one of our athletes is um caleb noble in australia um, I think he's number, sort of number two there. So Caleb jumped on the, the fit bike and they fitted him up perfect. He went home, he jumped on his trainer, he rode a bit, he made some adjustments, thought, no, that's perfect. He went out on the road, he came back, he said, I need another 20 millimeters forward. Yeah. Now, if you had spent seven seven grand or five grand on a custom set, it would be tough luck. So, you know, like I think the only time that works is if you've got a factory rider, a factory athlete and you're putting serious money in. otherwise i think you are probably spending a lot of money for nothing um, it's not so you see a lot of those custom bars are very popular in time trial where 20 30 minutes on the bike you can live with it But like my time trial bike setup it's not actually comfortable because I'm, oh, I'm so narrow but i can live with it for 20 30 minutes but when i'm setting up my bike with the try bars like i'm thinking how do i ride for a couple of hours it's completely different
1: yeah Um, real quick too, in terms of adjustability, if you go to the, go to your website, fastttbike.com, it's crazy how in depth you've gone within each bike manufacturer's current cockpit setup. You've had to do probably a lot of research because you've got a ideal setup for a Cervelo versus the Cube versus now the Ventum. Like you've got different bars for different shapes and sizes. You've got adapter pieces, you've got little hardware pieces that even, once I got my bars, I realized ah, I need another, you know, 15 or about another 20 or 30 mil reach, um, especially since I took it to about 20 degree angle. Um, yeah. And I want to get into kind of angle of the cockpit in, in eventually. But I think how, how long did it take you to have to figure out all the different setups for cockpits for bikes?
2: We at the moment, we have 18 different adapters, which are direct bolt on. So we've just done cycle, KDEX um tri-rig alpha one uh giant trinity trick trick uh Speed Conce- we've 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 just done all the profile design bars even their funny little angled riser and most of it has been organic so like the biggest challenge was i built the original bars and i thought this is great people love it but then people say oh how do i fit it to this bike how to fit it to that bike and i quickly realized the real challenge is actually getting it onto bikes yeah so one of our like a primary vision and goal is to be able to bolt our bike our bars on with relative ease to any anything in the market so we currently are developing a round bar bracket so any bike with a round bar uh, instead of using the sort of supersonic brackets you can just bolt ours on and bolt our bars on no problem we sell a lot of bars and setups to civillo s5 road users like surprisingly and the amount of emails we get from people with Road bikes and one aero bars is just astounding. Wow. Like most of it has been, we've had customers. I had a lobster fisherman in Nova Scotia send me his P3X uh, cockpit. Um, I had a guy loan me his brand new Trek Speed Concept for 11 days while he went on holiday. I had a guy in the States send me his Tri-Rig Alpha 1 monopost. I've had extraordinary good support from customers in terms of giving me the information i mean i can't get my hands on all those bikes yeah and so for instance on cadex we worked with a dealer a cadex deal in holland and one in ireland we got the measurements we made a 3d prototype we sent it to them they test fitted it they sent us back suggestions which we incorporated and now we've got an adapter that is like super super nice for the cadex it's been a it's been a, a lot of work um, but I think one of the things we've done is we have, this is a ad- universal adapter. So it gives you some forward reach. You can drill holes anywhere for mono or for twin. These fit our bar brackets. And that's an integrated BTA, 65 millimeter. You put the little uh, spaces on, you can put a BTA. And we sell a lot of those for people. And all they've got to do is measure the bolt holes, drill them, and they've got an adapter. Yeah. It's really simple.
1: Wow. Um so your design is two standalone left right arm bars. Yeah, uh, they're ergonomic to the wrists and the forearms, and a really strong pad, big pad over the forearm. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of ver- variety there. Um, can you speak? Is and this is just for my education. I've seen a couple bikes that have a single mono situation that shrouds the entire aero bar encasing. Yeah. What how do you feel about that level of aero? Is that wind flow channeling through the arms disadvantageous versus having it blocked off?
2: I have a customer in Brazil who proudly sent me a photo of his fast TT bars. Him and his dad blocked it all up with carbon underneath. <laughs> um, look, I think from an aero point of view, being able to Block it up underneath is good. We, we, I have a design already done, and I was starting to go down the prototype route of a fixed bar, which essentially you'd have kind of two of these, and it's all built into one. And you have a a console in the middle, which has got a bento box and it's got the computer, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it comes back to that same point of adjustability. Yeah, when you talk to all the athletes, and I say to all the pros, and what's the, the optimum arm width? And there's there's no oh. armor. So we just decided that's not really a game. There's other people that will do a custom thing. Um, some people stick a bit of duct tape around it, but there's no. Solution. Electrical tape. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you can reduce the, the, if you can improve the airflow, I mean, between the two bars, there's always airflow into the chest. It's unavoidable. So if you can reduce that, that is good. But bearing in mind on a tri bike, you've got the computer, you've got a bottle. It's not the most aerodynamically optimized cockpit. So I don't think it's as important as it might be in theory.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot but of CDA discussions. about yeah. You've seen you know, everything 3D printed and taped up in the last two years more than anything ever. So that was my main reason for that question. But I think to your point, comfort is supreme no matter what. I think I've seen athletes still crush it on bars or pads and poles you know i, exactly. I don't exactly and it might there's lots of top they're...
2: 10 guys doing that lots yeah. of top 10 athletes running cups and poles yeah i think if you look at the speeds like obviously the faster you go the bigger the aerodynamic gain or loss if you take the pros and you maybe you're doing sort of 40 plus depending on what distance aero is obviously really important when you're on a time trial like you're doing 50 plus 55 it's super critical if you're an age group and you're doing sub 35 it's a lot less so i think like you know maybe once you've got the perfect setup you go and make a piece of carbon or piece of cardboard or whatever you want to put to make it block up go do do it fine it yeah. makes you feel better yeah of course then you want to change it if you've locked it up with carbon you buggered um so i, I think that's probably chasing unnecessary i mean it's gains you know, yeah it's gains. yeah I, I mean i have yeah
1: eric garrett's probably trying to get yeah. those gains
0: yeah I'm totally guilty of um the duct tape yeah. <laughs> with the with the poles and pads. um I had contemplated just using a piece of like pre-preg carbon fiber and putting that in there, but i I did the duct tape and I just stuck with it and I put all my gels in there and everything and it worked great. So your idea with the bento box is a good idea, and then kind of just going back to the guys with the custom aero bars where they they just sit there. And they get a shape capture of them here, and then they put it on their their bars. I I'm glad you touched on that because I laugh at that. So I work in prosthetics, and <laughs> this is exact. This is exactly what we do, right? It's yeah. we do a shape capture, yeah. we do um, temporary device testing device. Yeah. It takes us six months before you know minimum before we move and do a carbon fiber finish. Uh, And we always joke like, okay, we fit you today on the magic floors, but you go home and in an hour, you're going to have an issue, right? And we got to do a modification and, and we're chasing the changes because anytime you start loading something, you know, your anatomy naturally has pressure points that you can't compensate for when you're not, yeah, when you're not doing it for an extended period of time.
2: An interesting one is the the hand angle yeah so we you know like you sit there and, and you say oh that feels really great you get on on the road and you stop putting pressure and what happens you start gripping and that happens and i see you know we got some athletes they do this i said well you wasted your time buying an aero bar because you may as well just get a cup and pole but that's the first thing that happens so if you've just sat relaxed and you've built your bar and then you get on the road and as you tighten it you do that because you're on bumps well you know there's seven grand down the tubes yeah Uh, ours obviously you can't change that but we try to build it so that it kind of fits most people I mean in the end we all have an arm it looks like this some are a bit longer some are shorter but remember there's a lot of soft tissue which actually will fit into a lot of shapes so while the beauty was prosthetics which is theirs is an aerodynamic prosthetic aero bar basically it's got your vein and your hair and your blemish that's not that important because once you put your arm on the bar it molds to the bar the soft bits mold so i i think some of the value proposition behind custom molding is a bit of uh it's not really as valid as it might seem the, the wrist thing too, I've noticed uh, you know, you can
1: trim that down because even for me, yep. um, I, may, I may have to take a couple of mil out of that just because it does give me a little bit of a reach that I'm looking for if I am feeling fatigued. So there's things within your bar that you've thought of too that are adjustable even yep. within just one composite. It's great.
2: That, that bar end, I mean, in our installation guide, we have a section that says trim the bar end and a lot of people don't. So I, I still have the old Di2 that's a you know big long shifter, mm-hmm. and I trim my bars down about that that far, so that the shifter sits there and my hand is nice. But I see <laughs> some people just popping it in and then they got a big piece of the shifter sticking out the top. It's not aero. Yep. I it. do It's like you don't see anyone with a steerer tube on their bike sticking out six inches. Yeah. Someone cuts the steerer tube off. there's no different. <laughs> um so wayne i would like to get
1: into, um, your perspective too on the the angle of the cockpit have you seen um diminishing gains at a certain angle have you seen stuff that's optimal because what mm. you're effectively doing is you're kind of shielding the chest but you're yeah. almost limiting your turning radius and your your control but also there's a fine line there
2: have you have you seen anything on that for a good position yeah. range of angle coming from the time trial world the uci had a 15 degree angle limit so that pretty much did it they've now changed to 30 which people think is a target and i try and tell them the uci are not trying to help you aerodynamically they're just putting a ceiling um the most popular is like our angle riser at neutral is 17 degrees and most people ride around that when we get someone at 25 degrees it's it's a bit unusual our testing in portugal we tested from 10 to 25 degrees below 10 you're wasting your time it's just slow people don't want to hear this in the and world but the fastest was between 10 and 15 degrees there's a gradual deterioration and error in cda as you went up to 25 not massive i mean you'd be at 25 you're not going to be a slug but what happens is the primary thing is people are saying, I want to close this gap, which is fine. But what happens is the further you go up, the bigger the block you create here. So you start scoring here, losing there. Yeah. So there's definitely an optimum. And, and the other thing is if you're yes. at 25 degrees, you're hanging on for dear life. You've got gravity against <laughs> you. So at the end of five hours, your fingers, you can hardly open them. So you have to find a position that are you comfortable with? Um, I think aerodynamically, certainly, you know, anything from 10 to eight, like we like to design our bars around the 17 ish mark. That's where they sort of optimized. Um, and that, you know, I ride it at that angle and it feels nice, but if you're going a lot steeper than that, I think gravity starts to work against you.
1: Yeah. And it depends on the reach and the torso length of the customer too. I mean, that
0: plays a big bargain into it, I suspect. Yeah. Yeah and is is there any ergonomic benefit to that seventeen degrees where you're not like you said you're not hanging on, you're not reaching you're kind of able to just lay your forearms down or
2: um well, I mean in terms of if it's comfortable for you, it's comfortable for you some athletes, the old school was zero degrees, and I don't know if you've ridden at zero degrees, but it's hellishly uncomfortable, yeah, you feel yeah. like you're sliding off the front of the bike every time you break um I think. You've got to really just look and say, like our philosophy and design is to say, how do we get a rider in his most natural, comfortable position on the bike that he doesn't have to grip it? And he can sit in that position, put out the power without, or he or she without having to contort the body. And for some people, a steeper angle feels better. Some it's a lower angle. I mean, the trend is obviously to higher angles and more like we sell a huge amount of forward reach extenders everyone wants to hang over the front wheel you suffer a bit on handling but um you know like it obviously it opens the hips and when you don't have a restriction between the front of the saddle and the, the bottom bracket it's beautiful you're lying basically on top of the bike yeah. but i'd say for people to experiment and that's the beauty with this is you just oh, try it like this try it like that mid-ride you can just stop on the ride and go make a change if you really want it um, so i say there's no real ergonomic. Answer to what is better. I would say over 20 degrees gravity could be a contributing negative factor.
1: Yeah. I think I've run mine between the 15 to 20, and I think in between that is where I felt most comfortable to where I wasn't yeah. reaching out as much, but I do like to rake my arms out a little bit more. So it was yeah. it was right up my alley. Um yeah. in
0: you
1: have you had to find found, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but, but have, you, have you found any difference for men and women when it comes to the, the length of bar that you've created? Are you going to have to adjust
2: for a smaller stature or something different for the women's anatomy at all? I'll tell you something really weird for every 20, 30 bars we sell, maybe one goes to a female athlete. So, okay. We're going to change it. We, we, have, we have some fantastic female athletes on our bars and I talk to them and I say like, why do more female not take it? And I sort of thought maybe there's, and partly there's a, well, I'm a female and I don't want to go to the bike shop and they think I'm you know, not technical, blah, blah, blah. But a response I got was that a mother feels like her first priority is home, children stuff and shouldn't spoil herself on toys. Wow. Men decide when there's money left over from the toys, we'll give it to the kids and the family. So <laughs> I think it's a bit of a philosophical issue. I would love to see it different. So we have some fantastic. We've got a, a world champion on our bars. We got some. We got the um, Indonesian female champion, and they love it. As far as length is concerned, I have to say that our bar is probably built more for the medium to larger athletes. I am this year going to build a kind of a shorter bar, for we're doing some ergonomic sort of uh, referencing and data capture. And I think we will build a kind of a medium-sized bar that would be more suited to kind of a smaller athlete. But we've got um, female, small, petite female females on our bars and they have no fit problems. That's great. Um, how about price point too, Wayne? I mean, for what
1: you are offering, the, the, the level to entry for these higher-end bars right now, I mean, let's face it, your product is on the higher-end look. It feels great. But you're not char- overcharging and really no. been doing some damage what what led you to that price point
2: well it's 995 call it a thousand us roughly um which is quite in line coincidentally with quite a lot of those sort of carbon systems um obviously poles and cups you can't make a comparison then you've got multiple thousands when you go to the custom i mean it just really relates to what does it cost you to develop and tool and build these bars bearing in mind that every single bar is handmade it's not like if you do an injection molded or a 3d printed thing you press the button and more come out the end and so your cost per unit drops if i order to 100 bars or a thousand bars the buy cost is the same amount of work same amount of carbon same amount of manual effort the supplier might feel kindly and so i'll give you a discount for a you know because you give me good business but it's a very very labor intensive process every bar is handmade so it's not a cheap product to make. Carbon fiber is expensive. The development, design cost, the testing, prototyping, tooling, um, it just came down to like, what is it gonna cost us and what can people tolerate? We try to say, well, let's make it affordable that you know, it's less than the cost of going to Kona, the entry fee, it's less than the cost of entry fee. And when you're paying 25, 30 grand, we're paying you know, the kind of money people are paying for a set of Princeton uh, carbon works wheels. It's a cheap investment for being comfortable, yeah. Uh, but it's not cheap. I mean, in the end, it's not cheap. It's a, it's a high-end product. But we're seeing, like last year, our sales were fivefold increased, and we thought that the end of the northern hemisphere summer and the end of the race season would be kind of the end of our sales season. Um, October, November, the two biggest months we've ever had. December matched the best month that we had during summer. So, you know, people are taking to it and these are from pros right through to 11 hour age groupers. Yeah, I, th- I think that more than anything, I wanted to give you,
1: you know, some kudos for your price point. I think it's, it's definitely something anybody who's looking for actual comfort and gains, most importantly, comfort and then gains. I think that that is a prime directive for, to invest in this, especially when your bike is already X amount and everything else you're investing in. Helmets don't merely make you that much more comfortable. Um, you know, this product is designed to substantiate your comfort by a large load. So that's really where I felt like this was great. And especially, it's not like the most rigid, concrete position. Like it's the bars, when you do go over some bumps, there is just a tiny, the slightest good amount of bounce that I found that it, it doesn't... Yeah. It doesn't make me feel hesitant. It doesn't make me feel like I can't handle well, but it gives my my body a bit of a break. So I think that that's something I really enjoyed also with the product.
2: I think that's quite an important part of comfort. Like I ride an older Cervelo P5, and it's very stiff, and, and it really kicks you in the butt on bumps. Um, the bars, especially coming through your, your hands, your shoulders, into your neck, into your head, um, carbon fiber will always flex no matter how stiff you make it. Um, but they're stiff enough to give you complete comfort and control. We test them to, uh, in Germany, to ISO 4210 standard, which is what the the UCI require, and it's just a good standard. And our current trial bar, we we take them to failure. So we we put force on the the end of it until the bar fails. Usually what happens is it cracks a little bit here, never breaks, you just get a crack there. And that's what we would describe as failure point. Um, so we took it to four and a half times the required limit, and we were using it on a aluminium base bar with a stem, and the stem kept turning in the bracket that in the in the mount that they had. So essentially, if you put a 90 to 95 kilogram person, mount the bar over there, put a 95 kilogram person to sit on the end. You can probably ride them down to the corner shop and back, (laughs) any concern. So uh, there's yeah strength with the right amount and and they still light. so it's just a matter of how you lay the carbon and, and manufacture it
1: i've got a funny story and uh challenge salinas in ecuador they kind of diverted the bike course the day of because of some extenuating circumstances and, and we take this hard right turn i get right in arrow it's downhill and it's hard to see but there's these vehicle destroying um speed bumps like big round ones not the short abrupt ones and I got air in Arrow, and I landed and I was certain I was gonna crash, but it just kept on trucking. So that was a really good test. <laughs> I, um,
2: I, I used to play ice hockey and when you hold an ice hockey stick, it's extremely stiff. But if you have a look at a, at a, at a player taking a slap shot, that stick looks like a piece of spaghetti. <laughs> Carbon can be very stiff, but it has an extraordinary um, ability to withstand stress. So yeah, no, we've, we won't break. We've got some big athletes. I mean, we've got some athletes that are taller than not 1.9. Um, and we've got a couple of age groupers that are on the heavier side, you know, 90 plus kilograms. No, no hassles. That's
0: awesome.
2: That's a great, that's a great
0: analogy with the hockey stick because like most people who ride carbon bikes are so afraid of just any movement in the bike or anything. They think the carbon is going to break because they hear all these horror stories, but yeah. like, yeah, with this stick, like, you grab those and you just lean on them. Yeah. And man. there's so much flex. Even, like, you can get an, a 90 flex stick and just, like, really lean on it and flex it. And you're, like, and it's not breaking. I mean, they do break. Obviously, you see it happen all the time. But, like, you know, there's the, and there's no give. And carbon doesn't fatigue, too, right? It always bounces right back. So, it's not like if aluminum. You, you're
2: going have, if you're going to uh, Google Brittle taking a snapshot. <laughs> Um, Brett Hall from 15 years ago, his hockey, his stick was bent like a U. Um, <laughs> I guarantee you he was using an 85 or a 95 flex stick. So yeah, I mean, you see, the thing is, it's interesting because I think a lot of the mindset has gone to stiffer, stiffer, stiffer frames. And people have got this obsession with a stiff bottom bracket and everything, which when you're on a track bike and you're putting out two and a half thousand watts, you need a stiff bike. When you're on a, suit bike you need a stiff bike when you're on a time trial and short you're probably putting out more power And when you hit a hill you're going hard when you run 180k like st george and you hit a hill the last thing you're thinking of doing is getting out of the saddle and pounding out 450 watts so the stress that a tri bike goes through i believe a frame is completely different and in some respects i think maybe they engineered to be too stiff which makes them less comfortable on my p5 it's very stiff um and it could be so much softer without compromising the ability to put the power down
1: i agree i think wheels have also evolved for to be less stiff or just stiff enough to not flex under load because some of the the carbon rims with the carbon or the aluminum rims with the carbon fairing they do roll a lot softer and that's almost yeah. a selling point for companies like like so Head, exactly. I think sometimes yeah
0: yeah um
1: so yeah there's there's a lot of different comfort level things we've all industry been changing and our opinions have been changing but all in all like anyways it's it's all good lessons learned but what, Wayne um you know thank you so much for giving so much of your time but before we go what what has this inspired you to do now and Garrick also any other final thoughts from
2: you after this question Um. Well, uh, the fun part for me is design, listening to, I get a lot of feedback from customers. We take it in we try and incorporate that. Um, the excitement is building products that solve new problems or problems that aren't currently properly solved. I think we're starting to get into the mainstream where we're getting a lot of very good athletes like you know yourself and Jackson and Mark. Um, and it's going to be exciting to see them doing some big races this year and getting some results. Um, I mean, there's just so much we wanna do. We're working on a, a base bar at the moment. Uh, we've got another trial bar in the works. I've got a frame in the works. I've got wheels in the works. I've got wow. adapters in the works. Like, you know, this week alone, we we listed six new products on, you know, basically launched six, they're adapters, but it's, it's all fixing a problem that exists that no one is properly fixing. So we've got, we've got a lot of exciting work to do. And then we've got partnerships with a range of people. Um, and it's just exciting to get an email back from someone that says, you know, like I used to be in the marketing business and you do a logo and a brochure. And no one ever wrote to you or emailed you and said, hey, look, that brochure has been amazing. I've sold so much stuff. They say, I. <laughs> I did not pay the bill. Well, what are you on about? I get people just randomly sending an email saying thank you so much like this bar the bars have been so great that's changed my experience i'm having my best bike leg blah 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 it's just satisfying it's just really from a designer's point of view it's very gratifying and that's kind of where i see it it's not a commercial gain i don't you know this is a like a fun business for me that's good it's incredible thank you for that
0: yeah man thanks for uh Thanks for coming on. It's really cool to hear that you played hockey. Was that in New Zealand?
2: It was my um, yeah. My whole family is a hockey family. My son, um, my my middle son has just been. Well, we don't play in the highest league. We play Division Two. But my son is going to is um, going to Bulgaria in, in March to play the Worlds for New Zealand. So he's played for the Ice Blacks for many years. Uh, my eldest, so cool. Played, my eldest son played for South Africa, and my daughter played. New Zealand so we have a very vested I, I just got too old for ice hockey and decided <laughs> bikes, bikes was better well yeah I,
0: I feel like that's the that's the natural progression is like you play hockey and then you move into cycling that's what I did and yeah. um okay. cool, yeah man.
2: it's so it's who's your natural, team but who's the team you support oh the Maple Leafs <laughs> uh, ah yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah I have a lot of family in Vancouver so the Canucks are a good one but okay I, I used to um, I used to be a big Jerome McGinley fan back in the day. Oh so, yeah,
0: me too. I I was all Calgary. Well. I was all Calgary, yeah. and then the Fennuf came in, and uh, I was I loved FNUF. and then he moved to the Leafs, and then I just ended up as a Leafs fan. I, I didn't even pick yeah, so, it. it just so you would have been a,
2: you would have been a Tardomi fan.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I played I actually played against his son quite a bit growing up. Okay.
2: Well yeah, but at
0: least at least
1: Eric has just gotten used to just always being disappointed. And that's the big biggest yeah. thing
0: he's learned is being a Leafs fan. <laughs> yeah, that and an a Lions fan, unfortunately. But Michigan won the National yeah. The Lions shit, just so.
1: freaking nailed it. And so did uh Michigan and uh against yeah. whatever I can't, I can't remember, but anyway yeah, against Michigan, Washington. Crushing it. But, I'm from Michigan. Yeah. We
0: don't we don't talk to enough hockey on this podcast. I always try, but the guys always shoot me down. Yeah, I think we've talked enough. <laughs> enough for the
1: whole year now. <laughs> well, Wayne, thank you so much for your support. We're certainly looking forward to new products, innovation. We'll have you back on in, a, in probably next quarter to see what you're up to. But until then, and thanks for doing it. And then anything you need to know about Wayne and Fast TT Bike, we will put it in the show notes. You can see it on our YouTube channel. If you've seen this this, uh, this video, you'll, uh, you'll have it in the notes too. So give him some support and, and feedback, obviously you can send to us
2: and we can connect you with Wayne. Sounds good. Nick, thanks very much. Appreciate the opportunity and Derek, good to meet you. And um, you too. Keep supporting that team wishfully. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Next year's our year. All right, fellas. Well, thanks again. And okay, guys. out. Right, thanks a lot, Wayne.
2: Cheers.